Hello and welcome to the Peter O'Halloran Podcast, Episode 3. On today's show, I'll be talking to former Irish professional boxer and WBO world champion Steve Collins. We're going to be talking about his career. We will also be discussing some of the most recent fights like Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Steve will also be answering some questions that came in over social media and giving some tips for young and upcoming athletes. So, let's get this show on the road. On the show today, we have Steve Collins, the Celtic warrior. How are you, Steve? Great to have you on, man. How are you keeping? I'm very good. Keeping busy. Good stuff. So, look, before we get into talking about your professional career, give us a bit of a, an insight into Steve Collins. Like, who Steve Collins is, what's your background? Like, essentially... Where you're from and what age you were when you got into boxing and all that? Well, I'm originally from a place called Animo in Cabra, in Dublin, Dublin 7 area. Um, I fell in love with boxing at the age of eight years of age when I had my first fight. I knew there and then it was what I wanted to do. And um, I, I haven't, I never stopped uh, boxing from the age of eight until I retired as a professional boxer, which I think was the best part of 25 years. Long career. So let's get into your professional career here. Like you became the WBO middleweight champion. I think it was '94 against Chris Pyatt. That's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. April. And uh, but like two of the most memorable fights for me as a kid watching. Like I, oh, Jesus, I would have been only about ten. I'd say it was um, when you defeated Chris Eubank to win the WBO super middleweight title, and then defeated Eubank again in '96. Well, yeah, I was lucky to be around and get the opportunity to fight a big-name fighter. You know, some great fighters in the past, both Irish and, and, and from other parts of the world, yeah. have you know, fought for world titles and have been world champions and never got the coverage I got. I was lucky that I got the opportunity to fight such a, a great champion, but somebody, not so much a great champion, but somebody who was so well-known. Yeah. Because he was so well-known, had such a large following, it was it still like you fought your way? You fought your way to get. Yeah, it, it. Um. Well, my amateur career, from my professional career, never came easy to me. But what kept me going, and what my success I put down to was um, commitment, dedication, and you know, con- continuously belief, self belief, and very, very hard work, and I never yeah. quit. You know, many a time, I, you know, I could have quit because it wasn't coming my way, but. I wanted yeah. to see it through to the end because I believed that one day, you know, it would happen for me and, and luckily enough it did. Oh, excellent. So, like, so what I want to talk about is the first fight between yourself and Chris Eubank, right? You said um, you got hypnotized before the fight. Now, I, I've watched the fight back a few times. Do you feel that hypnotism had actually worked or was it a strategic mind game to get inside Chris's head. Well, mind games and self-hypnosis is what I've been doing all my life without realizing it. And what most of us do, you know, people psych themselves up for it, whether yeah. it's a game of snooker, whatever. People psych themselves up before they throw the dart and darts, before they hit the ball and snooker, before they get into the boxing ring. And it's a, it's a, it's a style of self-hypnosis. Yeah. And, and mind games is, you know, is, is almost like people call it trying to out bluff your opponent wherever yeah exactly like, get, get, getting into his head like because when I, I watch um, the pre-fight interviews and Eubank seemed scared about the fight you know he genuinely seemed scared going into the fight and he, I think he called it like legal cheating but to be honest I think anything you can do to get inside your opponent's head before a fight is worth doing like well yeah I totally agree with you I mean 
getting back to the original question about the hypnosis and so on, you know, I, I watched Chris Eubank and I realized he was the master of mind games and the master of hypnosis. Yeah. I watched how he affected his opponents before fights. I watched how his opponents get into the ring, had the mindset of they were just there to fill the space. It was his show. It was all about him. Yeah. So I, I needed to take that away from him. Boxing, I hadn't got concern. I knew I could hold my own manos to manos in the boxing ring, but mm. I needed to take away his mindset and the psychological edge. And that's where I brought in the hypnotist, Tony Quinn, to assist me in, 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 in training my own mind and understanding what it was I've been doing for these years, helped me do it better. And also to uh, take away the psychological edge that Chris Eubank always had going into fights. You know, for example, the managers and promoters were in his pocket. And, you know, the confidence he had, the aura yeah. about him. I wanted to remove that from him so that when we both climbed into the ring, there was no advantage. It was manos to manos, as they say. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you did a pretty good job of it because when Eubank was coming out, um, you were sitting in your corner, you had your hood up, uh, your headphones on, and your eyes closed. And you didn't pay any attention to what was going on around us. You were just focused, like you were in the zone. Was that, was that part of the mind game and a strategy to kind of make him think, like, this lad is just not even paying attention to me? That is exactly what it was. That was the final uh, uh, trump card in the game. I mean, it was for me to show I was paying no attention to him. So his last opportunity to take away the, the, the um, psychological advantage was, was for him to enter the yeah. ring as the you know, champion, the big I am the one who everyone wanted to see. When he'd done that, he looked at me and he realized I totally ignored his entrance. So he yeah. hadn't got the psychological advantage. So, you know, we did take that away from him in the first fight, definitely, yes. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, what, uh, what, what we actually listened to, and don't actually set us spice girls, please. <laughs> no, I was, just, I, was, I was listening to the Rocky music, the, uh, the original oh, nice. uh, music from Rocky One. Um, um, what's it going to fly now, I think it's called. Yeah, going to fly now. And you know, it was it was it was a great game plan. You know, it, it did catch him on on the hop in the fourth yeah. fight. But I, I I give credit where it's due. He was a great champion. He did have all the excuses. He did whinge. So I said, I'll tell you what yeah. I'll do. I'll, I will dedicate my first defense to you. When you are ready to you know for a rematch, let me know. I waited the best part of four or five months for him to come back to the you know for give him the yeah. rematch. He had a couple of fights in between. You know, his first fight and second fight with me, knocked a couple of guys out. So I gave him every opportunity to, to come back yeah. and, and redeem himself. So second time... When the fight was over and the judges were announcing Joe, um, that you won, you won the fight, can you describe that feeling, you know, the, the emotion of winning a fight like that, like something you fought so hard for? Uh, you're going oh, in as a oh. challenger. I think like you weren't the bookie's favourite. And um, to come up and win in front of an Irish crowd, well, sometimes, you know, like you talk about it, and I, I try and think back, and I may say a clip of a video of it. It was like a movie. It was mm -hmm. like a movie. It was like one of the Rocky movies. I mean, if it was a movie, it would have been corny. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the whole the shenanigans before the fight and the results and all, all the things that happened. You know, it was like a movie. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But when I look back, the fact is it was, it was real. And, and sometimes the truth is better than um, fiction. And it was yeah. a... The, to be announced as the world champion, I felt like, you know, do you know what? I worked really hard, all the sacrifices I made, and uh, I got here today, and I'm glad I made the sacrifices because I've now fulfilled beyond all my ambitions. And I told people I'd do it, and I've done it. And it was just a moment from here on in, it doesn't matter, you know, I've done it. Yeah. 
And like, um, what what was the most important ingredient in becoming a world champion? Like, was it discipline, toughness, hunger? Like, what or was it all of it? Like, what? It, it was those. All, all it was those. All all of those facts. Yeah, it was all of them. You know, a lot of lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, a very strong mindset, a lot of self belief. Never quitting when it wasn't going your way. And do you know what? I have to be honest with you, a lot of luck as well. There's so much luck in life, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, the unfortunate thing was, I was the last minute to step in but Ray Close. Raymond Close from Belfast had a controversial decision against Chris Eubank and, and he wanted a rematch. And he yeah. was the guy, he was the guy Eubank was supposed to fight. Unfortunately for him and his bad luck, he failed his medical. Right. Whereas I was in the right place at the right time. I was on stand, but, you know, I was middleweight champion of the world. I was in the gym. I got the phone call. And I was in the right place at the right time. So I was very lucky to have the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time to get the opportunity. So it was good luck as well. And, you know, One fighter pulled out, Rua stood in, and he ended up beating Joshua. There <laughs> you go. You just don't know. He was in the right place at the right time too, and he became a world champion and became financially um, you know, comfortable for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a case of being in the right place at the right time. And as I said, I was very lucky. I was very you can sell luck as well, but there's still you can increase your odds by training. And like, do you know what I mean? When the want is there, that just increases your odds. But what was your training regime like before the fights? Did you train every day, and for how long? Or I trained every day from the time from eight years of age for 25 years. My life rotated around my next training session and my diet. So I was on a diet for 25 years. And I lived through boxing. So that's all, yeah. everything through boxing. So that's all, yeah. everything in my, foremost in my mind was, everything I'd done the next day in my mind, I had to plan my next training session and what I could and couldn't eat. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I had to go on a holiday, I had to make sure I hadn't got any fights coming off my holiday. You know, everything rotated around my boxing career. So for 25 years, I became almost obsessed yeah. with my boxing career. So I'm kind of glad I did. I was successful because, um, I did put everything into it. Yeah, and like you said there, what you eat. So that's what I was going to mention there, like nutrition. And that's my feel then. Like, was nutrition a big factor during training back then? Because I don't think it was seen much back then as a big thing. But was it on your side a big thing? When you make weight, diet is part of your... Um, it's just part of your life. That making weight, diet is part of your life. I mean, I used yeah. to work in a racing yard. I used to, you know, I, was, I used, to, used to be a, a stable lad in a racing yard. I used to ride racehorses in the morning. I, I knew jockeys well. Them guys were constantly on diets. Their, their, their sport was different from mine. They had to make weight. I had to be on a diet and make weight, make weight as well. But I also had to be physically strong. Yeah, for boxing. exactly. No, so yeah. it was, you know, diets trial and error. I'm still to this day learning about diets. Um, towards the end of my career, you know, having worked with people who were, um, you know, dietitians, having worked with people who are specialists in weight training, having worked with yeah. all sorts of people. I, I gained more and more knowledge. Like I have a lot of professional fighters there on my on my books as well, and I have to help them cut weight. But it's such a tricky thing as well that you have to help them cut weight, but you also have to be able to fuel them, keep stamina, keep aggression. You know what I mean? And that they're not just fatigued. It's 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 it is yeah because you you know it's 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 it is yeah because you 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 know you go into a fight no matter how hard you've trained how prepared you are your body is a machine it's machine is not fueled it can't operate. I'm getting to the stage now where um 
you know, there's a lot of outside influence coming in now. There's people now getting involved in, in, in supplements, yeah, which yeah. Are, 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 are legal supplements, which is sometimes people are getting away with. So it's, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's a minefield now. Whereas in our day, it was very simple and very basic. Yeah, it was simple and basic. And it seems like now everyone's looking for the next, like borderline legal way of getting ahead, uh, you know, and could be made illegal down the line. And a lot of people are chancing illegal ways. And, you know, the sport is getting a bit, it is getting a bit um, toxic, toxic at stages. Well, supplements in sport, illegal supplements and, and, uh, are rampant and ripe. It's, it's yeah. almost become acceptable these days. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's unfair on the guys who don't take them. Yeah, so, I mean, exactly. this, this, back in the day, it was less uh, common. But now it's, 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 it's very common now because it, it's, it's a major multi-million pound industry. Yeah. And you know, a, lot of guys, a lot of guys don't... Another thing I wanted to ask you, I know before your second fight, you know, before you defended your title against Eubank, you were away from your family for a good while now. I think you were, you were in Los Angeles, weren't you? Train? Yeah, for the, for the first Eubank fight, I trained in Vegas. Mm. Um, after, the, after my defence... Well, so after my first fight from Eubank, from then on, I moved camp. Uh, I teamed up with my old mate from Boston, Freddie Roach. And we right. set up training camp in Los Angeles, Hollywood, Los Angeles. So I spent most of my career out there uh, preparing for my fights. You know, defending my title fights was spent in, 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 in L.A. Nice. And what was the training like over there? What was the training like over there? Was it hard with the heat? The heat was very hard, but you adapt to it. And, you, you, you know, it helps you get fit and stronger. Uh, the positive side was that the standard of sparring was 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 unbelievable because there's so many tough, talented fighters in America. You know, living on your doorstep, it made, it made it, the standard very high. It made the competition very high, so it only uh, improved and maybe work harder to to maintain my um, yeah. level. Hundred percent. And when when you look back in them fights as well, one thing I noticed, even both fights, like the Irish crowds, I think one was down in Woman's Car, wasn't it? And yeah, my my first title fight and my first defense was uh, both took place in Cork which was great because um, you know you can't get more Irish in the south we see it now ever with the Irish crowds um, when an Irish fighter goes toe to toe it's like the whole country rises up in arms how do you find or how did you find the support from your home crowd um, well you know when, when I always was very conscious of who and what I represented as a, as a, as a fighter you know, having been based in Boston, Massachusetts, having lived and trained there in South Boston for a long time, which is a very strong Irish um, culture there, I always felt when I fought, I represent the Irish, you know, with the Irish Americans, the Irish from the island of Ireland, the mm. Irish in Britain, the Irish in Australia. I always felt I represented them and I wanted to put out a positive image on their behalf, which was, you know, tough, brave, come to fight fighter, but someone who's also respectful. And, and nationality. Like, I, I seen an interview actually. I was I saw it on YouTube an interview with Chris Eubank. Um, it was recent enough, but he was talking about Irish fighters in general, and he said Irish fighters are very dangerous. He said they have so much heart and determination that you can never underestimate the Irish. Would you agree with that? I'm hardly going to disagree with that. I'm an Irishman. <laughs> if that's a positive thing, I would actually yes, I definitely agree with it. Exactly. Yeah, though no, you wouldn't be an Irish, no disagree with that. But like, well, you know, it, it, you know, at the peak, at the beginning of my career, and, and when I was peaking in my career, as I say, I fought out of Boston. I made my debut with a guy called Mickey Ward, and he was called Irish Mickey Irish Ward. Irish Mickey Ward, Ward, yeah. 
And when I fought out of Boston before I turned to uh, Dublin and, and London, I was called Irish Steve Collins. And him and I, was, we looked alike so much. His mother used to call us twins, you know, my Irish, my Irish son. Because we were like carbon copy. We looked so alike. And we had a similar style. We both came to fight. We both, you know, got in the ring, didn't mm. dance around, stood toe to and trained and traded shots. And, and um, we kind of had the reputation of the, of the Irish fighters. And that has kind of stuck now. Uh, and then you think the likes of Wayne McCullough, I mean, he was one of the toughest fighters ever out there. So we've got this aura about us. You go back to Kevin McBride, the last night to fight Mike Tyson. He still talked to Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Took Mike Tyson's best shots and come back and stop Mike Tyson. So we have this uh, reputation, which is quite a hard reputation to keep. Some guys in Ireland, Irish fighters that I know, are a lot smarter than us and can win fights without trading shots. So if, 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 you, if you wanted my advice, Get out and win and trade as, 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 as little as you can. Take as little punches as you, as, as, as you, as you can. Yeah. But, you know, if you have the reputation of an Irish fighter, some of those opponents think that, that, you know, the worst thing to do is to go into a war with you because they, they feel because you're Irish, you're extra tough. I don't think yeah. that's a true fact. It's just a, the mindset that we have and it's the reputation that we have. And, and it's not a bad one. It's, it's a good one, I suppose. Yeah, and like look, one of the most recent fights actually I want to talk to you about, which uh, and like look, one of the most recent fights actually I want to talk to you about, which uh, like Conor McGregor, he's UFC, okay, and the fight between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Now I'm by no means a boxing expert, like I'm just a boxing fan. So from a viewer's perspective, for Conor who never had a boxing match in his life to step in was a massive achievement and just shows how much heart and want there is in an Irish fighter. What, what was your opinion on Well, Conor McGregor has a little bit of boxing experience going back to his, 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 his early teenage years, which is something you, ne- you, never, you never forget and, and never leaves you. Um, he's, a, he's a very, very talented fighter. He's very, very, very talented fighter. He's very tough. He's very disciplined. You know, I have seen him train in the gym prior to his real superstardom. And he's a very dedicated guy. He'd be in the gym in his own space, you know, switched off, switched on to what he has to do there and getting down to business. Personally, if he'd, if he'd have taken up boxing, he had all the tools and the ingredients to be an exceptionally good uh, professional boxer. He could have went on and been a world champion in that sport as well. Yeah. Um, but his MMA is his sport, which is, 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 is a combat sport, but it's different from boxing. Yeah. Yeah, and do you think it was a good fight? Do you think he, got in a, um, he put in a great performance? I think it was a good fight because Conor McGregor got stuck in and done his best for Conor McGregor I don't think it was a great fight because I don't think Conor McGregor prepared as well as he could have for the fight I think he has a lot more to show and, and um, I don't think it was a great fight no personally I'm not saying Conor McGregor is not a great fighter yeah. he's one of the best MMA fighters of all time he'd be down in history he's an amazing athlete and he's a hell of a tough guy but that fight with Mayweather wasn't something that I would um, be interested in seeing again I don't think it was a great fight uh, I think it was MMA fight I think he would have smashed up Oh. Uh, Mayweather I'd like to see him smash up Mayweather because uh, Mayweather's not the type of guy that appeals to me so nothing yeah. would, would please me more than to see Conor McGregor get in the ring under MMA rules and, and, and slap uh, uh, Mayweather about that would actually satisfy me a lot that would be something I'd like to see <laughs> I, I think a lot of people want to see that as well me included now someone else I want to talk about another world class Irish boxer Katie Taylor now the other fight I want to talk to you about though recently as well as Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Watch it. Great fight. Tyson Fury to me on his performance in the, in the rematch 
on that performance, I think he would beat anybody in the heavyweight division today. It was a, an amazing performance, and, and um, he, he actually showed me how, how good he really is. And right now, I think he's the best heavyweight in the world. Yeah, no, I'd agree on that. And like, I was going to ask you, what's your prediction for the next one? But like, even my own prediction, I think he'd flow on again. Well, if he shows up in the same condition, the same mindset, and the same performance as he did in the last fight, I can't see why they're beating him. Yeah, and he, he yeah, and he, he, he focused a lot this time as well on nutrition. Um, he took on uh, George Lockhart, who. I'll also be having on the podcast soon enough. Um, Lockhart and Lee, he, he works a lot with MMA fighters as well. He's got a big rep. And um, Ty, like Tyson Fury said it himself, like he was eating so much food, but still losing weight, you know, when, when everything's done properly for him, you know. But um, yeah, like he, he was just a different class in the last fight. And I think if he keeps that up, like he's just, just going to keep dominating. Absolutely. Whatever he's done in his preparation for that fight, it worked because his performance was 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 amazing. Yeah, um, I had a post up on social media asking if anyone had any questions for you, and I got some questions from uh, from a few. So one of the questions I got from one of my clients, who's um, Eddie Tracy, he's turned pro uh, just last year, I think it is. The honey badger he calls himself. Um, he asked, "What's the hardest punch you ever took, either in sparring or in a fight?" Well, first of all, before I answer that question. The name Eddie Tracy. Eddie Tracy is a, originally came from Cabra. I think he was born in the uh, 40s. He was one of the greatest amateur boxers Ireland ever produced. I believe he fought in the Olympic Games in, um, I think it was in Mexico, back in the 50s or the early 60s. That's how long ago it was. He was robbed of his medal. And uh, so with a name like Eddie Tracy, this guy, if he's not like the original Eddie Tracy, then he's going to be something special. Oh, he is not like he's won all his pro fights so far, and like he's just he's just a powerful boxer. Like he's he's one to watch. I, I, I wonder. I wonder are they related? Because Eddie Tracy was, a, you know, I met Eddie Tracy. He, he's a, he was a photographer as well as a boxer. One of the greatest amateurs ever, and the guy um, was 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 robbed of of a medal in the Olympic Games in Mexico. That's how good he was. I must ask him. I must ask him are they related. Um, another question he had was. How do you feel about the current crisis professional boxing is in in the Republic of Ireland? And what do you think needs to be done to bring big-time boxing back to Dublin? All I know is my brother's got a professional boxing gym. His fighters, he's got some very talented world-class fighters in his gym. They all fight in America. They're not involved in the mess. All I know is my brother's got a professional boxing gym. His fighters, he's got some very talented world-class fighters in his gym. They all fight in America. Not involved in the mess that's going on right now, and and uh, until the mess is sorted out right now, I don't know what it is, who's behind it. There's all sorts of accusations and innuendos and, and name calling going on. Mm. So the sooner the better. It's, it's all sorted out, and and uh, boxing. Another question I got was from um, another pro boxer here in Clamel, Dean Gardner. He fights out of the Clamel Boxing Club here, and um, they're a very actually successful boxing club here. They have a lot of good fighters coming out of here as well. Um, he asked, what advice would you have for boxers coming through the ranks, amateur or pro, because a lot of us... First of all, we all give sacrifice, and, and if you're all guaranteed, you know, give sacrifice, get rewards, then it would be easy. You know, some people will give sacrifice all their life and get no reward. But the reward is, in my opinion, is if you give something 100% and you're successful, 
that's great, happy days. But if you give something 100% and you don't achieve greatness or you're not successful, you can live with that and know that I gave it 100%. Yeah. It didn't happen for me. It wasn't for me. It's the people who don't give it 100%, who are not honest with themselves and those around them. They're the ones who end up being bitter and, 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 and have grudges in the future with or without success because they never gave it 100%. So giving something 100% is your success. If you achieve greatness, it's a bonus. If you don't, you can put your head in your pillow and you can look back and say, you know what? I gave it 100%. I didn't make it, but I can live with the fact that I didn't because I gave it 100%. And that's what kept me going, that yeah. mindset. I can ask you, like, growing up, education-wise, did you, did you leave school? Can I ask you, like, growing up, education-wise, did you, did you leave school? I actually really enjoyed school. I, uh, the school I went to, I've I, I done well in school, done very well on my exams. I got a really good job. Um, I got an apprenticeship in the Guinness Brewery, which was a very good job at the time. Even after, you know, I, I, I was employed by them, they sent me on for further education. I always believed in education, and my dad always told me, you know, I wanted to be a professional boxer, but his attitude was, that's good. He says, but if it doesn't work out, if things go wrong, you need yeah. an education or a trade or a job to fall back on. So education to me is, is a bonus. Um, even when I, I, I left you know, Ireland and moved to the United States as a qualified electrician, I had to go back to college in America to reset my exams to become a qualified electrician in America. So to me, education is, is, is very, very important. It's the most important thing in life is to be educated. Everything else after that uh, is, is secondary. Um, but education, you know, if I was better educated, I'd be a lot more successful today. That's what I'd like to say now. So, like, would you, would you say for a lot of young athletes now and young boxers, though, like, to not just say, uh, I want to be a boxer and throw their education away, that they must also just focus on their education just as much as their, um, their well, athletic career? If, if I was in the gym and I had kids sitting school doing exams come to me i tell them to uh, you know go home do the exams and when the exams are done come back to the gym i wouldn't let them in the gym unless they completed their schooling if kids like me had problems in school by not put down the line in school no matter how good they were i wouldn't allow them into the gym until they told the line in the school because you're not just producing you know kids who are going to be good boxers you're going to produce kids who got society and who will also um be better people so yeah. this is me personally if I ran a boxing gym, I'd have ground rules, and, and if kids were, were messing in school, um, they wouldn't be welcome in the gym. Brilliant, brilliant. No, I'd, 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 use the, I'd use the gym as part of their education to help them. Part of the yeah. What are you up to these days now? Do you, um, are you training any boxers, or what do you do now? I'm, well, I've been farming now for 15, 20 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Dublin redneck in England. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Dublin country in, in the UK. <laughs> but look, you're enjoying life. You're living it up. Well, you know, I, listen. You got to have a positive attitude. You know, I, I work hard. I enjoy working hard, and I stay positive, and I try and, and do the right thing. And that's what keeps me happy and keeps me going. Got great people around me. Got a great family. Very happy where I am today, and wouldn't change a thing. And you know, what? that's a great thing to hear from a boxer because you, you, you'd hear or you'd see in the past a lot of pro boxers and. A lot of them would end up just going down a bad route, uh, going broke, being in a bad place. So it's great to hear, you know, like you've won your titles and you're in a happy place now. And, you know, you're, you're just all around successful, basically. And well, yeah, done, like. let, me tell you so let, let me tell you something. I work really hard. 
my family, my wife, my kids, we work really hard to maintain our lifestyle. It's not a financially successful lifestyle, but it's a happy lifestyle. Yeah. We like what we do. We like what we do, and, and we work hard. That's why we're that's why we're good and happy. So, this is Steve. Thanks for coming on. It was great to chat to you and um, to get a bit of insight on your career and you know answering some of the questions for me. It was a pleasure. No, I enjoyed it. It's good to hear you, mate, and, and take care of yourself. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, it was five years uh, since I had a drink with you last. Um, that's a long yeah. time ago. So we'll have to yeah, yeah. get some. And I, I, I paid. I'll get you down there in, in Tipperary next time yeah. next time I'll get you down here and I'll pay for the drinks next time you, you better believe it <laughs> <laughs> nice and Steve, thanks take care son, cheers, bye bye and that's it for this week's episode of the Peter O'Halloran podcast if you'd like to contact me you can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Peter O'Halloran underscore, or if you have any questions about nutrition plans and so on, you can get me on the social media as I just mentioned, or you can visit pptnutrition.com. Take care. See you next time.